0: Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. Now, as we've been going through the Old Testament, we've we've dealt with the law a lot. And what the law is, is God's perfect will for sinners to love God and love others. That's what the law was based around. And God, even in the law, made provision for his people to offer sacrifices that they may be forgiven and live up to the expectations. But for all of their effort, God's people failed miserably. We see time and time again, fail miserably and eventually reject completely the old covenant. And something new was needed. I want to tell you that the promise of the New Testament, the new covenant in Jesus Christ was not a reaction of God, but it was foreordained since the beginning of time that Jesus would come as the perfect sacrifice. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations that we think take God by surprise. God is not surprised by any situation you might find yourself in today. He is not surprised by any of it. He's not surprised that a new, better way had to come. And all of the Old Testament all of the old covenant points to a more perfect covenant in Christ Jesus. And through Jeremiah, God revealed this new covenant for the very first time. What would accomplish in very clear words, in the words, new covenant. And we see examples that Jesus may be coming even all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. But here we see words, the words, new covenant. And what God would accomplish by the redemption of sinners through the cross. So this morning, we're going to be looking at Jeremiah 31, 31 through 40. We're not going to be looking at the entire chapter or the entire book. But again, if you want to get a broader picture of what's happening, you can always follow along with us on our online devotion, which is on our website. It's on our mobile bulletin. It's, 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 we make it readily available to you, and we encourage you to do that. But here the prophet is speaking of the righteous judgment against sinners, but also that it's going to be satisfied through the redemptive work of Jesus. And today we live by faith in Jesus and our redemption is empowered by the Holy Spirit to obey God's commands and do his will. Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-one says this, "'Behold, the days are coming,' declares the Lord, "'when I will make a new covenant "'with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, "'not like the covenant I made with their fathers "'on the day when I took them by the hand "'to bring them out of the land of Egypt, "'my covenant that they broke.'" though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Mm. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. What a thing to be a child of God. What a miraculous thing that he has opened the door for us to enjoy fellowship with him once again. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day, And the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if the heavens above cannot be measured and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, then I will cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done declares the Lord behold the days are coming declares the Lord when the city shall be rebuilt for the Lord for the Lord from the tower of Hanel to the corner gate and the measuring line shall go out further straight to the hill of Gereb, and shall then turn to Gora and the whole valley of the dead bodies and the ashes And all the fields as far as the brook of Kidron to the corner of the horse gate toward the east shall be sacred to the Lord. It shall not be plucked up or overthrown anymore forever. Amen. We have three things that Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah points us towards. A new covenant, a new relationship, and a new life. These three things summarize in new hearts. God puts new hearts within us. He says, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. I will write my law upon their hearts. In the old covenant, God's gracious promise was to bless Israel and through them to bless the whole world. That was always God's plan, but Israel took the favor of God and they hoarded it to themselves. They said, well, we are God's people. We are the ones who are blessed. And the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And church, I want to tell you that in this way, the church today very much resembles Israel. We sit in our house, and we worship the Lord, and we, we rejoice in God's blessing and His favor that He has saved us. And we kind of hoard it. But I want to tell you, that's not what God, that's not God's intention God's intention is that, yes, you would be saved, yes, you would be sanctified, but then you would take the message of grace to those around you, that you would share this. And this is what God had called Israel to as well in the Old Testament. And in response of, uh, in, in in the Old Covenant, God promised blessing, but in response, he called for obedience, expressed towards the outward act of circumcision and of keeping the law. And throughout the Old Testament, God continues to keep his promise, but people, we are the ones who break the promise. The Bible says that my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband. Now, there's a lot of debate today, you know, especially among people who read the Bible more liberally. Is God a man or a woman? Well, we don't know anything about God except by how he chooses to reveal himself. And God chooses to reveal himself as a man throughout scripture, as our husband, as our father. And here God says, though I was their husband, they broke the covenant. One of the most difficult challenges in any earthly marriage is that of adultery. We've counseled, Stacey and I have counseled many couples who have experienced this trauma. And trust, reestablishing trust is not impossible, but it's very very difficult. And it's just the ultimate betrayal in a marriage covenant. And it's very difficult to recover from. If you've never experienced that, it's even, I I believe I can't understand it. I've never experienced it. I can't, but I can only imagine how betrayed I would feel, how heartbroken I would be. And the Bible here says that we too are guilty of adultery. The ultimate betrayal of a relationship. We are guilty of spiritual adultery. We've we we covered this when we were looking through the other prophets about the how we have really taken upon ourselves other lovers in the form of other gods, and we have betrayed our relationship with God. So every you know, when, when I think about adultery, and I think about if that ever happened, how I would feel, right? how I would, what, what justice would I want from that? Could I, could it it ever, is there anything that could ever be done by the, by my, by my spouse that would reconcile that? Would I, would I, would saying they're sorry be enough? Would doing the dishes for a month be enough? You know, whatever, whatever trivial thing we could throw out there. The truth is nothing is really enough. And and in, 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 circumstances where we are deeply hurt, what is our, what what do we really want more than anything? Justice. Justice, right? Justice. And here we have this situation where we are the adulterers, every single one of us. And God deserves justice, right? I mean, Really, if we applied that same standard to himself, our, our, uh, ourselves, then God deserves justice. But that's not what he, he demands. He, he extends to us grace. I mean, I, I'm explaining it horribly. I, I understand that. But I, I think, church, we underestimate grace. That just the, Not only does God forgive our adultery... He, he makes the way for us to come back. He had no guilt in himself. We are the guilty party. But he not only forgives us, but he makes, he makes the way for us to return into a relation. He doesn't exact justice from us. He takes the justice. I mean, that blows me away. And you know, there's something to be said for just standing in awe of God. You know, do we do that enough? Do we really contemplate the greatness of our God? How big he is and how how full of grace he is and how much mercy he extends to us? God doesn't divorce us. He doesn't leave us. Instead, he offers the perfect solution for our unfaithfulness, Jesus. We have a new covenant. God loved his people so much that instead of holding us as guilty, he instead bonds himself to us through Jesus, though we could do nothing to repay him for this. This is grace. This is the grace of God poured out upon us. Jesus made the way where there is no way. Amen. Jesus made the way where there is no way. Jesus became sin and suffered the wrath of God in our place. Amen. Understand this. It's not that Jesus came because he loved us. It's not that he came and he died on the cross. It's that the wrath of God, justice was meted out upon Jesus. The wrath of God was poured out upon him. He took our punishment. This way, Jesus, God can extend to us grace, but he can still remain just because punishment has been served, just not by you. It's been served by Jesus. Jesus purifies our hearts, and he brings us into right, right relationship with God. And again, this is where I think we lose it. Go back to Genesis and the creation of Adam and Eve and how Adam and Eve walk with God through the cool of the evening. That fellowship has been restored through Jesus Christ. Amen. We can have this relationship with God. And I want to tell you that as a church, even today in the contemporary church, we still have an imperfect way of celebrating God there's a man standing in front and he's preaching and often is looked to as the priest or the person who is above reproach. And while that is, that ought to be true. And yes, the preacher and the priest ought to stand before the people and say to them, as I say to you, follow me or imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's surely true. This idea where the priest makes sacrifices for the church, where the the priest offers atonement for you, that is That model is gone, that each one of us, through the blood of Jesus, has perfect fellowship with God. Do you understand that? In the new covenant, we have perfect fellowship with God. Now, this should help us to rejoice, but also instill a fear in us, amen? Like, we stand before God. It is a horrible thing to stand before a righteous God in our own strength, in our own merits. Who wants to stand before God and offer defense for himself, herself? When we see see the perfect God of the universe face to face, I think only in that moment will we truly know our depravity and will we truly know the grace of God. In that moment, when we look upon his face and instead of saying, depart from me, I never knew you, he says, come, enter thy rest. It's not because of what you have done. It's not because of what you can do. It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. Jesus, his ministry is not finished. It is finished. Our redemption is finished. But his ministry continues on at the right hand of the Father where he is making intercession for you. Romans says it like this, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus, the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Why should we be people of prayer? Because we are imitators of Christ. And what is Christ doing? He's praying. He's interceding. What should followers, every follower of Jesus be? An intercessor. An intercessor. You should be praying for one another. You should be praying in your growth groups. You should be praying for your church. You should be praying for your family. You should be praying for your pastor. You should be praying for your community. You should be people of prayer. And if you can only pray 15 minutes a day, do better. Do more. Stretch yourself. Increase your list. Get a plan. Do something. Increase your prayer life. We should be people of prayer. When there's a call to prayer and fasting, we shouldn't squirm in our seats. We should be rejoicing at the opportunity to pray together in oneness. Church, we should be people of prayer. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And if he is our example, then we ought to pray as well. How can we pray with authority? How can we preach with authority? How can we share the gospel with authority? Because we are in right standing with God. One thing feeds the other. Because you are in right standing with God, then you can enter into the holy of holies. And you yourself can make an altar in your bedroom, in your living room, at your child's bed. And I want to tell you that this isn't just an exercise. But when you kneel down next to your child before bed, you are entering the throne room of God. And you have direct access to him in the holies of holies. And with your prayers are being heard by the Almighty God. Amen. There's no more curtain. There's no more veil. Yeah. It has been torn in two. See, this has to stop being abstract. This has to become personal. You've got to own this stuff, church. Because even though we proclaim Jesus Christ... Even though we say we follow Christ, we don't live in his promises. Because if you lived in his promises and you got your mind wrapped around what I'm talking about today, it would be more than Wes saying amen, right? Because it's big. It's really big what Jesus has done for us. We're not just improved versions of ourselves, Amen? We are new creations in Christ Jesus. How many of you really experienced the grace of God and you realize the things that you wanted when you were not a Christian, you don't want anymore as a Christian? You just don't want those things anymore. I mean, I wasn't perfected overnight, but I was completely transformed. And everybody who knew me when I became a Christian will testify to that. That though I wasn't perfect and none of us are that there was something that changed in my heart and my life that was tangible, was visible because my heart was transformed that which I wanted, I wanted no longer I wanted Jesus, I wanted more of him I wanted more of his people I wanted to be part of his church I was a new creation I don't want an improved version Matt 2.0 I don't want that I needed to become new. And sometimes there's a resistance to that transforming power in Jesus Christ because of fear that your old life, you're going to be leaving something behind. And so instead of yielding ourselves fully to the power of God, we withhold. And we say, well, I don't know if I want transformation. I'm just going to, maybe if I just do this and I do that, and maybe I will give to the offering and I'll, I'll do that. You know, and I'll just surrender it all, man. And let the Lord of glory transform your heart. And he will write his law upon your heart. He will write his will upon your heart. Oswald Chambers says the goal of prayer is is not to to get things from God, but to be transformed day by day by God. That he would continue to write his will upon our hearts and show us what to do. And because of this relationship is restored, Jesus not not only hears our prayers, but responds through the working of the Holy Spirit in each one of our lives. So we have a new relationship with God under the new covenant, but we also have a new life. A new life. We have left the old life behind. We are free from sin. Free from sin. Past sin, present sin, future sin. We are free from sin. The work on the cross, Jesus said it is finished there's no sacrifice further to be made. The perfect sacrifice has already been offered and we are no longer under condemnation of our sin. Those who are in Christ Jesus are no longer under condemnation. For those who have been transformed by the power of God, he has written himself upon our hearts. He has transformed us. And because of this transformation, we are free to love God and love others. We are free. We are free. Sin no longer has dominion over us. Our unrestricted access to God enables us to live for him in everything we do. The idea of prayer, the idea of devotions is not checking a box. You know, God's not up there writing your performance evaluation. The idea is to get more of God in us. Amen? And the daily exercise of reading Scripture, maybe that Scripture is not applicable that day to you personally, but you never know who you're going to come across that day, and you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so we must sow seeds of God's Word in our hearts daily that we might be prepared for the fight ahead. Our obedience is no longer required to maintain our relationship with God. Rather, we obey today as a demonstration of our love and trust. The church is held back because of a lack of trust in God. That we don't truly believe that God is working together, is working everything for our good. And we think, just like Adam and Eve did, that God's rules and his ordinances and his commands are meant to hold something back from us. That was the lie that Adam and Eve believed, and it's the lie we still believe today, that obeying God's word means that God's holding something back. I want to tell you that everything God does is for freedom, for our freedom, for our unrestricted access and our unrestricted relationship with Him. And because we know what it's like to be forgiven and loved, we can forgive and love others. And through this, we are able to know Christ and make Him known the men are reading through a book right now entitled the heart of a warrior and in this book the author michael thompson has probably i think the biggest nugget of gold in this entire book and of course he knows it as well because he has themed a lot of his programs around this saying but he says in christ we have nothing to hide we have nothing to prove and we have nothing to fear in christ we have nothing to hide we have nothing to prove and we have nothing to fear Church, my challenge to you today as we go through Jeremiah and we talk about the New Testament is that you would live your life by this this statement. I have nothing to hide in Christ Jesus. I have nothing to prove I am a child of God. I have nothing to fear for my King is God. Church, the new covenant is freedom. It's freedom. Jesus came and fulfilled all the law of the Old Testament. Of the old covenant. He fulfilled it all. And in the new covenant in Christ Jesus, what you must do is yield to him. That's it. Every promise of Jesus Christ is yours in Christ Jesus. However, God does not compel you, He does not insist on your obedience, He does not insist on your faith or your trust. We come to Him as volunteers, we come to Him in surrender. If we come to him on any other line, we come under false pretense. You must come to Jesus through surrender. We are powerless over sin. We are powerless over its effects. And if we stand before the throne of judgment and our own strength and our own power, and we, we will be condemned. But it's through the blood of Jesus that we find forgiveness. And it's through our acceptance of Jesus by faith that we, that we, we become part of his family. Now, this nothing to hide, nothing to prove, nothing to fear, can you imagine, church, if every single one of us went to work tomorrow and lived this out? I want to tell you that you probably wouldn't have to do a whole lot sharing of the gospel. I mean, your life would be a shining testimony of what it means to be a Christ follower if you lived your life with nothing to hide, nothing to prove, and nothing to fear. And That doesn't mean we, we shouldn't share the gospel we know that the gospel is shared through hearing but what i'm saying is open it will open up so many doors if the children of god would just live as though jesus were their father amen our husband if we would just be faithful to him day in and day out be uncompromising in our faith unwavering in our obedience the world would stand up and take notice you know i mentioned it last week as we talked about contagious faith we talked about josiah Again, I'm still blown away by the news coverage of, of Yeezy, right? <laughs> of Kanye West. Like, it still blows my mind that how much Jesus is being talked about in the press because one person of prominence for actually horrible reasons uh, is now in prominence and being talked about because he's given his life over to Jesus Christ. And I mean proclaiming Jesus more than Christian bands that have been around a long time. I'm serious. If you haven't listened to the album, you know, he's, he's, he's not my cup of tea, right? His music is not my cup of tea. But there's no doubt that this man has had an encounter with God. Am, am I, I mean, just glorifying Jesus. Lyrics like, he is king. He is the Lord of lords. He is worthy of praise. I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome. And, and can God use that? Absolutely. And it's okay. It's very easy to point to him because of his celebrity status. But the truth is on a, on a, maybe a more micro level, that's the intention of God in each one of our lives that we would bring so much glory to God that it just be impossible to ignore. And you have nothing to be ashamed of. And let me tell you something, church, you've got nothing to fear. And let me tell you something else. You've got nothing to prove. Jesus is not in love with some future, more perfect version of you. He loves you. He died for you. Not who you would be, but who you are. And we follow Jesus and we live in obedience because of our love and our trust for him because we have come into a new understanding. While God was our enemy, he was withholding. But while he is our friend and while he is our savior, he is there to give and we understand that. We understand that he wants our best. See, if you can, Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. I want to tell you, there's still something to get pumped up about in Jeremiah. Because here we see, hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, a promise of a new, more perfect, or actually not more perfect, perfect covenant. I think, church, if we would just start living our lives in such a way that reflect the promises of God... There would be nothing to stop. We would not be stopping at two services. We would not be stopping at three or four. If the church would just start living in the power and authority given through Jesus Christ. Living the promises that we have. Allowing the Holy Spirit to work through each and every one of us. How do I know you can do it? How do I know we can do it? because we are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Church, we are living under a new covenant, a better covenant, a perfect covenant. We have been made right with God. We walk in fellowship with Him. He not only didn't hold us guilty for our adultery, but He took the blame for us. He made Him to be no sin, He made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Church, are you righteous today? Are you holy today? Are you saved today? Trick question. The answer is yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, you are. You are all these things in Christ Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smccchurch.net. That's smccchurch.net.